If you're on this earth and you're above 18, you are effed. <laughs> Good luck. Millennial pressure <laughs> that exists. <laughs> what is that? Because we're we're just beautiful, wonderful millennials now. Not now. I mean, we just born into it. We don't get to choose when we're born. You know, there's this thing. People are identifying the in between of millennial and Gen, Gen Z. It's like what is mil- the in between? I don't know, but it's like millennial, millennial Z, and I think you might fall into it because you kind of have both the best of both worlds. I think I'm borderline, so that makes sense. If I, if there was such thing as that yeah. classification, but uh, I mean, millennial or not, Gen Z, Boomers, whatever, Gen X, they're all screwed, or all future all generations are screwed if with the same problems. If you're on this earth. And you're above 18, you are effed. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Good luck with. And if you live in America. Good luck. If you live in America. Oh my God. All right. What are some of our life struggles right now that we feel like? <laughs> That's a loaded question. It's actually a really loaded question. I mean, where do I start? <laughs> There's so there's so much we could say about the societal stigmas and expectations and pressures that are put on us by boomers, by our own parents, and by just other people in general. It is yeah. Scary. What age did your parents have you? My mom had me late. It was 38, but she had my sister at 20. My mom had me when I when she was twenty or twenty one, and I can't even imagine having a baby at that age. Like mm-hmm. I was just, like I was just starting my life then. Like no offense to people who have um, kids at a young age. Like I actually applaud you because I can't even imagine the amount of stress that is at such a young age trying to figure out you know how. The rest of your life is and then you also have a child to consider mm-hmm. too um I think that's true strength because you learn selflessness at an early age and that's very true but for me like I'm I can't even think about that experience at all there's like so many milestones that you know if you were to bookmark it when the Gen Xers and the Boomers had those milestones. They were a lot younger in age. Like, for example, like you said, having children was the common norm in the early 20s. And then getting married was common in the early 20s. Buying a property, buying a house was uh, so much more doable. Uh, Like before you were 30, you know, like doing things like that. And I personally, I, I haven't even done any of those yet. You know, like I haven't, um had it I'm not a parent I'm 25 my sister actually I'm her age when she had her first child because wow. we are 18 years apart so but you know her generation she's actually she's actually one behind she's a gen x because she was born 79 um so it's kind of crazy to have a sibling in a different generation but mm-hmm. it just kind of 
you kind of see like, wow, you know, her milestones versus my milestones and like how different in age they are. Do you ever wish you had another sibling closer to your age? I do. I definitely have always thought like, like things like, oh, I wish I had a little brother or like, Mm -hmm. I want to know what it's like to um, be an older sibling uh, because I don't know what that's like. You know, I feel like, but I wonder if that's a common thought. You know, do other people ever wish a position that maybe they just haven't experienced yet, like being a younger versus being an older or like having yeah. having a, a brother if you don't have one or people that grow up with brothers, they're like, I want to know what it's like be having a sister. Mm-hmm. Did you ever yeah. feel like you were like, I know you have a sister and you view her as your sister, but I remember you telling me before that you also kind of view her as like another mother, right? So do you ever like sometimes see yourself see yourself like feel like an only child in that sense that's a great question you asked me because when I was younger the I definitely there were times where I felt like an only child because as I was growing up my sister was experiencing her life milestones she got married and she wanted to move out and experience life she also had to go away for college so During those times, I basically was an only child in the household for several years. So there were times where, you know, I I missed her very much. But I think I've always had this type of sisterly relationship with her, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that she actually took care of me and babysat me a lot more than my own parents did because my parents Mm -hmm. were working like three jobs at the time. But Mm -hmm. I just think I just have such a strong like sisterly lens that I I put on her because I think, I don't know, I just like always known that she was my sister. And um, I don't know. And, you know, even... The crazy part is the older that, you know, we've grown up, or at least for me, the older I've grown up, the the stronger our sister bond is because yeah. now she can, I can relate to her slowly, like, as I experience things. Like, mm-hmm. there's a huge gap. If you think about it, when I was in middle, like, elementary school, middle school, she was already experiencing like young adult life like she was experiencing Uh, getting a degree uh, her getting her first job like having a boyfriend getting married and like I could never relate to those things now I'm finally in a part of my life where her and I can talk about mature topics like that or Mm -hmm. I can be like hey like you know I know what it's like to have a a partner I know what it's like to have to financially support yourself getting a job like I think though the more that I've grown up she her and I are able to have obviously like stronger conversations and like can Mm -hmm. have more things to relate and that's just gonna grow over time once I hit my milestones like getting married having a house having kids I can like relate to her about parenthood and things but you know I think it's always like a a growing process yeah I always wish I had an older something like whether it can be a guy or girl um because I've always grown up as the one taking care of everyone and I think that's one of my strong suits but I also really wanted to have a sister because I don't know I I have two younger brothers and they're great I think they're um we relate with each other because we're only like five to six years different like they're that's our age gap Mm -hmm. um But I've always wanted to have someone older than me to take care of, to take care of me. Did I, mean, did I say that mm-hmm. right? I wanted someone older than me so that they can take care of me. And so I always like looked for friends who could do that and fill that void. Um, mm. 
And I think it also stems from not having like someone that I connect with or having that type of mentor because I guess tying it back to our topic, like this whole millennial struggle is so damage. I I don't know if it's damaging, if that's the right word, but there's a lot of pressure in the societal expectation, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm what, 29 now, and I'm not married, and I don't want to be married. I don't have a house. I rent a condo. I don't have the career that I want. And I just remember being 18. And when I first graduated high school, I literally cried because I thought my life was over. (laughs) Because I was... I was entering this adulthood and I was afraid that all the fun was gone. And that's kind of right <laughs> because yeah. now I have to like think about surviving. Like I don't have my parents to help me survive. And Damn, that's true. I remember telling myself in 10 years, I will have a house. I'll be married. I will have that career that I want. And 10 years later, I'm not there. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that I'm not nece- I'm ne- not there. It's just now our normal, I guess, because it's becoming more, um, what's it called? It's like becoming more accepted, widely accepted. And also, uh, I don't know. And I, I asked myself, like, why did I think that I had to put an age to my accomplishments? Mm. You know? Yes, I love that. And yes. I I almost feel like that stemmed from the obviously my parents because I see them as the foundation of how life is. I grab whatever and I learn whatever that they've done and I apply it to my own life. Um and so because my mom you know, got married at 20 and had kids at 20, I thought 25 might be a good age for me to, you know, settle and um, have kids. But obviously that didn't happen. And then also Mm. shows, movies, all those things. I think that also has an added pressure because we also look at those like forms of entertainment as a foundation like we always get inspired by a lot of these things in the media and that kind of does put pressure on us too that and we don't really notice that and so maybe they don't like they're not forcing us to follow that route but we almost like convince ourselves that we have to so that we don't look abnormal and we just Mm. fit in we just are like everyone else we're a part of the crowd Mm -hmm. and I've noticed I've taken a lot of different paths and abnormal I've done things in the old-fashioned way I've done things the abstract way and I've noticed doing things the abstract way and making my own path is so uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. is so like, I always 
try to convince myself that it's not right and it's not accepted. But I think I'm glad now that I'm, I'm living in a generation that is accepting of those abstract ways because life is boring when we're all the same. You know, yeah. life doesn't like we don't, I guess another layer to that is I love being unique and I'm a very like individual person. I love to find my own self and like my own way and stuff. And I think that's why I've always rebelled with my journeys and because I'm a rebeller or like a rebel, I also have trouble accepting that it's okay to be a rebel. You know, I I feel like when there are people that do what you do, they try to deviate from the norm. It does feel like the odds are stacked against you. And I want to just, I, I feel like society does that on purpose, you know, like they, I mean, society, you know, what do we define that as? But feeling like the odds are stacked against you, I wouldn't, a part of me feels like that's the system's intention because they, we're mm-hmm. kind of taught to participate in the system in a really particular way. You go to elementary school, you go to middle school, you go to high school, you graduate high school, you go to a four-year institution, you graduate institution, you get a job, you do the job until you're 65. Like, it's just go, 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 go. And if you think about it, this is, like, the system rewards you when you stay in that lane. And when you, when you try to deviate from that, that's when life feels so tough because it's, that's literally, like, the odds are literally stacked against you. Like, you're fighting a system that has, that is trying to keep you in you know, hitting these specific milestones at these specific ages in these specific places. And I, I, yeah, I just, I also share the same sentiment that we, like, I, I can't see myself doing that until I'm 65. Like, I truly believe that we are not meant to be working um, for 80% of our life just to get rewarded with retirement for working 80% of our life. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I didn't even realize that. And I'm really happy you're telling me this because I've been going through this wave of emotions this week or just like this entire year because of my status in the job market. And it's not that, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, you guys know that I quit my job that was... I think it was a good experience for me, but I didn't have anything lined up and I ended up freelancing, which is amazing. And it's given me all the tools that I need in order to like move on to the next thing um, in my career. But this past month, I've been pretty depressed because I keep thinking about working until I'm 65 because of like the system and what Mm -hmm. it's trying to make us do. And I I am really depressed because I know I'm not meant to do this. I know that us humans, we're not meant to be sitting in the computer for eight hours a day, 
you know, talking to our freaking computer and, you know, not mm. living life. Like, I don't think that's a meaningful life for me. I don't think that fulfills me at all, no matter what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I, so this is what I did. In order to reset myself, I didn't work for a week. And I'm very lucky because I didn't have any type of commitments. I could do things like on my terms with freelancing. Mm. So I gave myself a week. And luckily, it was the week of my birthday. So I had an excuse. But um, I did not look at my computer. I didn't look at work. I just was. I was having a slow morning I was on TikTok I won't lie I was on Instagram I was on YouTube Mm -hmm. I was doing things without thinking of work and without thinking of the future and I didn't realize how much pressure and there's just this load of needing to work all the time And I think that's why I always feel so exhausted because let's say during the weekend, I am purposely logged off and I have free time. But for some reason, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, but for some reason, I spend the entire time thinking about when am I going to apply to a new job? What deadlines do I have to make? Um when's my next meeting you know and Mm. is that really taking a break no and am I using my time wisely especially when I'm purposely not supposed to be working no like you're burning yourself out but I'm at least I'm telling myself this I'm burning Mm. myself out and I'm not I'm like letting this job take over every aspect of my life and I even when I'm like just hanging out with friends, I'm thinking, fuck, man, I pay this meal with the money that I get from my job. And that's kind of like a trigger. Every time I spend money, mm. I think of work because I that's don't know. so stressful because it's like linked to survival, right? It's like exactly. every paycheck you make, like that's what's going to feed you. And there's like nothing else <laughs> that could feed you besides a paycheck. It is crazy. Exactly. And I think a lot of people feel that way too, because money is so tight now, especially with the market and how it's going. Um, it just, I don't know, like I was just thinking, I mean, it's not like, negative thinking at all I think it's good reflections of how life should be lived and how to make it more meaningful and not make it so much about work mm-hmm. um but yeah like I'm going on a tangent and I know I love it I I really am going to remind myself of what you said Brie about the system that we have and um how the system is kind of making us stick into this like single file line and work mm-hmm. till your death. Because I was thinking about a freaking re- retirement account and I have a retirement account. I contribute to it, all the things, but I just hate the fact that I can't touch the money that I worked hard for until I'm like 65. Yes. Oh my freaking gosh. Sorry. That just, that hit me different. 
because my parents are going through that right now. By the way, just wanted to share that. But I can dive into oh, yeah. that later. No, you dive into it now. <laughs> dive into my, it now. The, my parents are hard, like hardworking Asian Asian immigrants. You know, Vietnamese like immigrated here seventy five. They've been working like blue collar jobs from the moment they got here until now. And my my dad is sixty three, and my mom sorry my dad is sixty five. My mom is sixty three, and my my mom has a disability like she cannot work but she still has to work in order to qualify for insurance and to be able to reap the benefits of her retirement like her 401k because the way it's set up at least and okay just disclaimer i'm not like i don't know how all 401k's work i'm not like a 401k expert or anything i'm just sharing experience about how my mom had to deal with it mm-hmm. but you know, she, um, apparently if my mom, uh, had, she's 63, if she were to claim retirement now at the age of 63, she actually gets penalized for Mm -hmm. retiring two years early. And that penalty is, um, 15%, sorry, 25% deduction of her retirement. Mm -hmm. The government will collect that and they'll only give her 75% of of the retirement she had worked for. So they're literally making her work like her, like like work her fingers, her ass off, like everything until she has like literally nothing. She's crawling on her knees, like until she's 65. And then they'll cough her up a hundred percent of the check. Like that to me just seems really unethical. Yeah. Unethical. It just seems like, like, like I don't I don't have the words for it I always just felt like you know my like old like my parents don't like they have they've worked 40 50 hour weeks for like 40 years of their life and they're still getting penalized when they're trying to retire two years earlier my mom specifically and that's not even because it's her choice like because of like a disability my dad on the other hand he has the he can retire now that he's finally 65, but he can't because he's actually the person providing health care for my mom, oh. which is a whole nother story about healthcare. But either way, the whole retirement thing, it, I, I, I'm still like, I haven't, I can't comprehend it. Like I want to do more research into it to figure out, you know, why it is the way it is. But from my mom's experience, it's just seems it hasn't really been like a positive experience like my mom hasn't really felt supported by like the by the government by like retirement uh programs and assistance programs disability programs things like that it just seems like there's still like a huge disconnect and my mom is still having to work uh just to be able to collect the paycheck that she had already earned yes (laughs) like they can't even release it to her like that's insane yeah um see that's my biggest fear you know and I almost, I know that it is not recommended, but I almost want to rebel against the whole retirement fund because, and like put it somewhere else that I have access to because I don't want to experience that. Like who knows if I even make it to 65, you know, I work so hard just for me not to experience the money that I earned, Mm -hmm. you know, that sounds so morbid, but 
it's the reality going on I know that's crazy and I wonder if like that's why people like the system is the way that it is because they know that not everyone's gonna make it to that age and you know what happens to the money then I mean it Mm -hmm. goes somewhere else but at the same time they still won't be able to access it and just interesting point there yeah again it kind of all feels fuels back into the reward system it's like you feel like once you have to work until you're at a certain age and the government gives you a high five and they finally give you your money back like that's what it feels like it's like kind of yeah like it's so crazy and then like the whole healthcare bullshit yeah like I've been kind of heated on that you and I have talked about it all the time or not all the time but Mm -hmm. we've talked about it and I don't know it living in America or at least California for me this is my experience it just feels like a scam Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I won't lie we have the great I mean we have great entertainment we have great people we have we have benefits Yes. But when it comes down to the the bread and butter, the things that actually make us human and what protects us, our livelihood, I don't feel like I get the same type of support as I would for another country, you know? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I get the the basic stuff that I um that I deserve. Mm-hmm. And it might be controversial, but As of right now, for me, I feel like everything is kind of against me, like you said earlier. Like, everything is against me. I have to work till death. I have to, like, even just healthcare. Like, that is what makes me so mad, and I'm terrified because I mentioned in a previous episode that I started, you know, doing therapy and I have all these um, medications and all that, all that stuff just so that I can mentally be okay. And I'm happy that I have what I have and I'm able to afford it, but I am so scared of losing it. Like the insurance that I have, I am so scared of losing it because once I do lose it and I have to pay out of pocket or whatever, the whatever, it, like mm-hmm. the full amount of it, it's going to be like five times more than what I'm paying yeah. now. You and basically just feel like unprotected if you don't have it, which is scary to feel yeah. <laughs> in this country. That, see, that, that, that's the other thing. It's like you have financial pressures to get it together. Like that the whole like get it, getting it together or like having your life together. Like what does that even mean? You know, because, you know, you're you're in your mid 20s, late 20s and and you're a lot of us, majority of our generation are still trying to pay off, like you said, like our education for probably a degree that we're not even using. And a lot of us, I'm just. I'm I'm pull I don't have statistics, okay, y'all. Please don't quote me. <laughs> but I just there's just so many people that have either pivoted careers, they're not using the degree that they had, yet they're still having to pay off the education that they chose. Which, you know, I think in terms of like logic wise, yes, like, you know, you you still pursue the degree, so you know, you pay for it. That's a purchase, investment, whatever, you know, but 
I'm just saying like financially, there's still so many things that, you know, I think in a previous generation, we would have probably taken care of in our earlier 20s. But we're doing that now dragging into our 30s because one, um, the cost of college has increased and our minimum wage has like barely increased. And the the expenses of just life in general have greatly increased and buying a house is also impossible now. So it's really, I at least I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for the whole generation, but I, I definitely feel paralyzed. Like I can't move forward and I can't really move backwards. Like I'm kind of stuck. Like I have to keep like picking up and cleaning up my past, my, my, like with the, the scraps of money that I have and then having to, you know, still strive to like make big investments later when it's like impossible. Like I, I definitely, I definitely feel, I feel behind compared to like the previous generation where, you know, by this age, they probably would have had their own property. They would have had like a family already. And hopefully I'm not the only one alone, uh, not the only one on that. Like I'm not alone on that because I'm sure a lot of us like do feel some sense of like falling behind uh, compared to like, you know, what we should where yeah. we could be exactly and a big part of that is inflation mm-hmm. and it's it's just the economy and I want to segue into the job market because mm-hmm. the great resignation has mm-hmm. evolved the anti-work movement has evolved you know um and because of those things Obviously, you know, people are quitting and people are expecting more out of employers, which is freaking amazing. And if you don't know what the the, the anti-work movement is, or I guess it's called work reform now, it's essentially a movement that is trying to reform how the work expectations are. Um, and an example would be just like they want the employers to treat the employees with respect to you know not drive us down like we want normal working hours and mm-hmm. we want to have a work-life balance because we're all prone to those 60 80 hour weeks and um that's another thing where I'm like, freak, am I ready to jump back into 40, 60 hour weeks? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's a And that's a lot of hours of your day, of your life, you know, that you're, it adds up over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And job searching right now, as this whole movement is happening, it's pretty hard. Like, not going to lie, I thought that when the Great Resignation would happen, there would be more jobs that open up. And there are, but for some reason, there's something that's happening that is making it harder for people to get employed. I feel like the job market is still pretty competitive because there's always going to be people looking for work despite people resigning. I don't know. I'm, it might just be a co- totally different like cohort of people. 
maybe that's it. Maybe it's like the people who are resigning are the competitors now, like the people who are competing with. So there's more competition because of the the resignations, like the increase of resignations. Maybe. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. But I don't know. It's really discouraging. Mm-hmm. Really, really discouraging. Yeah, I feel like that job hunting is always... I don't think I've ever had a job hunting process that was ever a calm, relaxing process. Like, it's just in na- inherently, like, anxiety-inducing because I I feel like as a candidate, you're always... Like, your livelihood is constantly at stake because every rejection means more time that you have to put. Like, you're kind of, you, it feels like you're back at square one or you're, like, having to, you know, you don't have a, as much leverage if you're trying to apply while you're unemployed and things like that. Like, and it, it's it's a very scary it's a very scary journey. And I don't think there's such thing as anyone really mastering that type of journey. It's always going, there's always going to be like what ifs or feeling like there's stuff on the table that, you know, and like a lot of the unknown with jobs and also not knowing whether or not your future employer is actually going to be like that healthy, non-toxic type of employer. Like sometimes candidates can't really, like some candidates many of us don't have the luxury to choose who's going to who's going to treat us well and who isn't especially when you know all your food and the bills that you pay everything is on the line with this job like you kind of have to if you get an offer you know and you don't have other offers on the table as a candidate you kind of don't have much much leverage and then you feel you kind of feel the sense of like oh i have to take it you know mm-hmm. and you could end up spiraling or going through like a, a totally unhealthy relationship with an employer and i always i think i'm starting to make this connection or i feel like the relationship that you have with your employer is kind of like a relationship you have with your partner like you want it to be a healthy relationship where boundaries are being set and you know so and so but the difference with the employer relationship is that sometimes you don't get to choose like you don't get to choose who your employer is I mean you can choose who you apply to but what if it really comes down to it and you're like really needing the job and sometimes you just can't and you have to just accept the offer and then it's like you end up hating your job like like, I, I don't know, it's just different. At least with the partner, you know, you can break up with them and your your life, you're not like, you can still pay your bills even yeah. if you have a boyfriend, you know, I don't know. But. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I've been feeling really, really anxious whenever I go to interviews because I hate that process. Like, I hate the cycle of just, like, waiting and then um, not really knowing how they feel about you and... Like, I know I can do the job. It's just, like, and I have to remind myself that I'm vetting them, too. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. just, like, trying to get anyone. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, I think also now I have to be really picky with the direction of my career because I want to progress. I don't want to just, like, take whatever job. I want it to be intentional. And that's another added stress to it because, like, bruh. I wish I could just jump from one title to another, but no, like I have to make sure that I'm, I'm doing something towards that direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. Just... Adulting, man. Adulting is just... It's too much sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I just wish I was, like, a kid again. And I wish I could just invest in Bitcoin or <laughs> Apple. I'm pretty sure... I mean, doesn't everyone wish they invested in certain coins when they were, like, when it was still, like, worth a dollar or something? Oh, or yeah. Right? Yeah. I wish so. I just had, like, someone giving me money. <laughs> <laughs> we're just enabling the concept of sugar daddy. Yeah. Just, like, yeah, why participate in society when you can just get a sugar daddy? Go to sugardaddy.com. Oh, my God. An advertisement. <laughs> we're so- by no. <laughs> anyways i don't know i just want to cry now but i say it feels good to let it out but i also want to cry and we're not alone we can all cry together i wonder i wonder if other people are feeling like this too though like from other countries because it's definitely normal in my area to feel this way but mm. i wonder if like people in canada or people who are in europe that's a fair question. It's like, is this just a U.S. problem? Is this like an American millennial problem, or is this like a global millennial problem? And is it a is it a millennial problem, or is it just a problem? A problem. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say I'm really happy to see the work, the work market-ish, whatever you want to call it, change, because now everyone is starting to work for themselves. And, and, I don't know, it kind of like, that's why I like freelancing, because I don't have to be a part of that system. But, it's hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is hard. It's hard. Indeed. And the job market's evolving. So who really knows what the job market is going to look like 10 years from now, five years from now? I mean, shit. I mean, if we're thinking about how rapidly shit is happening, like metaverse, like yeah. who knows what's going to be doing? Like next thing you know, we're going to, you and I are going to be recording podcasts in the metaverse. Like who knows? We're going to be with people in the metaverse talking. I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. That's another episode. But I yeah, know, right? I, I mean, I, I can feel us getting into that topic. I don't want to drag this on any longer. I mean, it, it the yeah, metaverse. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> I I just don't know about like the not being able to interact with humans anymore. But we'll see. Hell no, I we'll see. The only thing I will end with this. I'll end, end with this. Yes, end with it. <laughs> I I hope in the next few years, all I have to do is breathe, <laughs> and money comes to me. Thank you.